So let's um, let's read our, our verses before we start, just to refresh our, our memories on uh, where we were at. Um, this is lesson eight continued, um, and uh, we're we're in a two verse block, uh, Titus chapter two, verses eleven and twelve, and uh, it's really neat key verses in the middle of Titus. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously and godly in the present age. Uh, And it continues in verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. I'd have to add on verse 13 because it's just so, uh, so glorious, you know, the appearing of our God and Savior Christ Jesus. That's uh, that's a powerful statement. But um, but there's a lot packed into verses 11 and 12, and that's why we're here for three weeks uh, already, just on on these verses. So um, we talked about we, we finished off with question four: what came with the appearance of grace? And uh, we talked about that uh, a bit, um, and. Uh, we said that um, we said that for for the grace of God has appeared, um, bringing salvation to all men. What's interesting, and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time or not, um, but uh, has appeared is the only verb in that sentence. Um, bringing isn't really there in the Greek. Um, uh, salvation is is actually an adjective modifying the noun grace. So you could render that sentence for the grace of God has appeared dash salvation to all men. So salvation is modifying grace. Does that, does that kind of make sense? It's yeah. really, it's really kind of an interesting thing, right? Grace hasn't brought salvation. Grace is salvation. Um, so, um, and, and it's to, to all men, which means that there's, there's no one who, uh, who, uh, you know, will uh, who who couldn't be saved. There's no one outside of that grace who's, who hasn't uh, whose sin hasn't been dealt with. Um, but it must be received. It, it must be received. So, so let's look at question number five. Um, what does verse twelve mean by grace is an instructor? So, starting into into verse 12 now. So two weeks on verse one, on verse 11 and we'll see. <laughs> verse 12. Um, what does, what does verse 12 mean by grace is an instructor? Everyone clear on how that connects there? The grace of God has appeared. We said dash salvation woman, you know, comma, instructing us to deny ungodliness. So it's, so it's grace that is instructing. The word there behind instructor is, uh, uo. It's it's uh, related to our our word pedagogue or pedagogy, and it's uh, it's a child training word. Uh, it means to educate, correct, or discipline. So this this is an this is an important question. It's an interesting question because um, we could kind of ask if if grace is instructing us, what can grace teach us? Now the verse continues on, right, instructing us to. Dot, 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 dot. You know, we got, we got an itemized list there. Um, and so we could answer this question by saying, what is grace instructing us? You know, and, uh, and you could give that list, but we want to, uh, kind of understand this. Turn, turn to, um, turn to Romans 11 verse 6. 
Because I want to ask the question, can grace teach us to work? This is a really, really uh, hot-button issue. Um, but I want to look at it in light of Romans 11, verse 6. Everyone's there. Uh, someone want to read it? But if, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Yeah. Um, I remember uh, listening to the Chester McCauley's tape, four tapes on grace. And he made an interesting point that uh, nobody under uh, nobody understands what grace is unless they're taught. Mm-hmm. So uh, he emphasized that uh, the teachings of grace are so important in in uh, in the curriculum of the body of Christ because there isn't anything in the world system or in sin that would teach you about grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've got to learn it. And that's the big problem, I think, with reform churches is they don't teach grace because they don't know what it is. Yeah. And so you, the default position is to, in some manner, to put it, put, uh, put the believer under a, a, some sort of a performance system, which is a work system, which is not grace. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the ways that I kind of think about the way reformed teachers often teach grace is that it's the, um, it's kind of the, 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 the mop up rag for where I, you know, where I can't, you know, I just, I can't uh, quite pull it off. And, and we need a little bit of grace to, to, to clean up those areas where I'm, where I'm imperfect, though I'm pretty close, but, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but where, where I don't quite measure up, I need a little bit of grace. Um, yeah. is kind of, is kind of the way it often comes across. You know, they would never probably express it quite like that, but, um, but that's often how grace is, is looked at. Um, or, um, you know, grace is, is often, uh, looked at the other side of, of the way they would view grace or teach grace is that, um, grace is, um, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, you know, helping me to carry out good works. And, and that misses the mark as well. Um, the Lord doesn't, uh, the Lord isn't, isn't, uh, about helping the old man to, to be better. He's not about, uh, self self improvement projects right so so then how can grace teach us um because i think this this passage could uh easily be taken actually we're, we're we are getting into uh, question 6 now i'll hold that for a thought but for but thought for a second but um let's let's just say this um i think the only response that is consistent with grace is a response of faith. The only response that is consistent with grace is a response of faith. Therefore, if grace is teaching us something, it has to be uh, something that we respond to um, by faith, not not by works. Um, so grace teaches us what God has done, and we are simply to accept that by faith. So in, in terms of um what what grace is is teaching us as as believers 
as those who are saved, um, we're to come to understand uh, what what this this uh, this life is, and it's the life of Christ. It's it's not I, but Christ, and and I am to reckon myself to be dead um, to everything of the of the world of the flesh, and to count on the fact that there's this there's this new life operating in me and that's something that i can that's something that i can accept by faith that's not something i can work for though (laughs) right um i can't i can't work that up but i can accept that by faith and so if grace has taught me something um as a believer i think it's along those lines um one one thing that uh i'm i'm right to know hold on Um, the question that came to mind, the, the, the grace is not, I can say that grace is not do as I please. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the, if it isn't that, then there must be, uh, principles involved in how grace works. And sometimes there's a confusion or a misrepresentation between, uh, a law and a principle. You know, um, a, a statute, a law, a statute that says if, if I catch you going over 30 miles an hour, I'm going to stop you and you're going to get a ticket and you're going to have to pay a fine. <laughs> you know, if uh, if I uh, violate bigger laws, there's always a consequence to be paid, yeah, either an atonement or, or you know, where a where a principle, an operating principle, is something that's inherent in what you're talking about, and it works and functions the same way every time, like gravity. You know, if I drop something, it's going to hit the floor. Why? Because it's operating under the the principle of <laughs> gravity. Well, it's the same thing with grace. Grace has principles, and it operates a certain way. And one of the one of the things that uh, I'm in, need to be instructed about as a believer. Well, what are those principles, and how does this operate? Mm-hmm. You know, like like a like a, a raising up a child, he's got to know what the principles are the, of his stature in the family, and what what's expected of him and not expected of him, and and. Uh, Although children are under more law than they are grace, but as they get older, they begin to be educated about grace if they're believers. And they recognize that the principles of grace are just as uh, motivating, maybe even more so than uh, a law ever could be. (laughs) Would you say that a principle of grace is a response to uh, to understanding who the Lord is and what he's done that's uh yeah that's pretty good I think uh, I think grace always starts with with God's unmerited favor it's based on the principle of the cross I mean I don't operate in the 
just of these verses because I understand that's a principle that I do it. Oh, the I reason I respond is because I'm overwhelmed by what the Lord Jesus has done for me and to me. And as I grow in him, I find that I am doing these things. Would that be unreasonable? Well, yeah, I think that's okay. The 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 definition here, or the, grace has appeared to instruct us, and the first thing was, is to deny ungodliness. Well, um, i got to learn what, what ungodliness is and what godliness is. And, and what, it, what, how does denying that play into the principles of grace? Well, the denial of ungodliness means that it's not of the one who is grace. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the ungodliness is, is, how do you say that, Mike? The ungodliness is not, um, uh, of the one who is grace. Yeah. And and we are um and we are now of him. Let's uh-huh. look at question number six. Why don't we turn to Romans where if you're still in Romans, uh just flip back to Romans four verse five. Um where we'll see question number six says uh what is the first thing that Grace teaches us? Now in our Titus text, it says as uh we moved into already, teaching us or instructing us to deny ungodliness, and um, and uh, Romans four verse five is is quite. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, where are we now? Someone want to read that one out? But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justified the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Yeah. I know Newell in his uh Romans uh man when he gets to that verse he, he seems to get pretty excited and and we should you know um you know God God declared you and I righteous while we were ungodly um and uh on what basis could God do that when when we got to this verse with our our Bible study here I said doesn't that sound to you like lying? <laughs> you know, if you, if something is, you know, is ungodly and you declare it, uh, righteous, you know, that's a lie unless there is some basis for it. Unless there's some basis for it. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about in Titus when we say the grace of God has appeared and it is, um, and it is Christ Jesus, right? Um, on the basis of who he is and, and, and what he's done, um, God can declare us who are, who were ungodly, righteous by, by faith. And, and I just wrote down the question, if God has declared us righteous rather than ungodly, can't we do the same now as believers? Um, we could, we could say that God himself has denied your ungodliness. Um, as a positional fact, um, he's, he's, de- he's declared you righteous. And, and when we bring it back to this, uh, this way of thinking about it, we understand the basis uh, of that declaration of, of righteousness, that declaration of, uh, of, uh, denying our, our ungodliness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, most people would, would read that, read through that verse and, uh, and, and take it very easily as just, you know, try to stop being bad, <laughs> you know, deny yeah. ungodliness. You got to try to stop being bad, you know, stop being ungodly. Um, the reality is that we, we can't, it, it, we, we weren't able to, to save ourselves. This is a, you know, um, and, and we're not able to, uh, in our walk. So, so to just say, Oh, you know, deny ungodliness. If we take that as stop being bad, no, we, we can't just do that. We have to recognize the, the basis for that, the ground of that. And, um, and that is in Christ Jesus and, and in, in our, our union with his, with him in his righteous life so that, um, so we can accept that. And this, this comes back to accepting that by faith, right? Well, this first this first is interesting because it 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 names the one thing that man can do that isn't a work, and that's belief. So, because mm-hmm. uh, all of the value in believing is in who and what I believe in. Yes. Yeah. So I can't go to God and, and I can't pump up faith. I can't make a work out of faith. You know, we, so much of Christianity when it comes to Presenting the gospel is based on repentance and all this and asking God to forgive us and all this other nonsense rather than just say, all you have to do is believe in the person and work of Christ. He did it all and he does it. You don't have to add anything to it. And by the way, your faith accrues to you all the benefits of the resurrected Christ and you had nothing to do with that. It's free. Yeah. 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 Let's say we were we were born by faith and we live we walk by faith. Right. right. And that's hard. That's what makes it so difficult, I think, to learn because from the time we're born to the time we become a believer and uh, we're, we live like it or not under some sort of a law system, cultural mores, whatever yeah. it is, I have to perform in order to get. And then then you're introduced to. The grace of God, which is, well, I did everything. All you have to do is believe me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. To the natural man. Yeah. Well, I think we should connect this denying ungodliness uh, and worldly desires uh, together. I, I don't know enough about the grammar here. Have have looked into it enough to know if that's denying is is attached to both. When we get to question eight, we'll talk about what worldly desires are. Um, but uh, but you know, ask asks you know how how, ma- how many how many sermons or you know messages have you heard that it, it, that basically tell you well just just deny your desires you know um, and 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 you know, start being godly. You know, all that whole kind of mindset is wrapped up in so much of of uh church uh teaching and, and theology and it's and it's such a um the only the only good thing about teaching that is that if you if you believe it you know and you try you try hard enough you'll eventually get to the end of your rope. Um <laughs> you know I, I mean that was that was my experience. I, I believed that strongly enough that I thought okay, you know, I, I can and I will um, you know, make myself godly. I, I will, you know, do all these things. And, and man, I did, I did hit the end of, end of that rope. Um, and it, and, and it allows you to, 
um, to see grace uh, by by strong contrast <laughs> to works. So, um, but I think that really highlights that it's, this is not something that we can we can do. You can't just bootstrap denying uh, denying ungodliness and worldly desires. You know, it it has to be something that we accept by faith. Um, it's too. Uh, I had yeah. a, a friend. Uh, years ago who told me one day we were talking about this subject and he said well when you get to the end of your rope you find out that the end is tied to the beginning (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so here here we go again you know yeah no it's (laughs) yeah can you clarify Hmm. Uh, it seems like uh, when when Paul says, shall we sin that grace may abide? Two creatures do. Uh, we are able to have a, a more pure life by the power that God gives us, right? Yeah. Okay, I think I, you were cutting up a little bit there, uh, Russ, but um, I think I caught the gist of it. Um, the that we that we are able to uh, you you referenced the verse shall we sin that that grace may abound that's that was the scripture I heard you quoting there yeah okay and um okay and that we are able to or or we we. I think it's kind of the way you said it, are able to to live a more godly life. Was that kind of the way you said that? Right, as new creatures in Christ. As new creatures, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, okay. Um, we could probably um, spend a little time on that. Um, you know, I, I and I, and I, and I, it, I think it, it can sound like, um, it can maybe sound a little bit like splitting hairs or, or, you know, um, uh, but, but sometimes I, I hear, uh, you know, guys teaching, well, you're a new creation. Um, therefore go out and act like it. And, and they, so they've read, they've read a piece of scripture that tells them they're a new creation, but they don't understand yet the, 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 the reality of what that is. Um, the new creature is not the old man renovated um and 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 just with a with a little a little bit of extra power um to do better um this, this new creation uh has to do with um the 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 crucifixion um the death of of our uh of us to our old nature um and and so um you know sometimes when you know when grace is is emphasized um and and yet the and yet the co-crucifixion death and, and resurrection isn't understood um people can uh come out saying that well then I'll go on you know go on sinning all I want you know um sins that grace may increase and that's why Paul deals with that there in Romans six, he, that's what he gets into is the fact that, um, you know, 
grace grace doesn't just mean that your sins are paid for. Grace also means that you've been taken down uh, into death um, with the Lord Jesus, so that you have uh, you have His His life in in union with Him. His life is your life, and that is to be the the source out of which um, this uh, you know this this righteous living you know this uh, um, however we termed it there. Um, you know, holiness or whatever uh, is is to be coming from. I don't know if that if that's clarified anything or not. That helps. That's good. I would add I would add one thing to that, and that is, um, the grace of God appearing appeared in the person of Christ. Yeah. And so the issue is. Uh, um, I have eternal life, but John 17 says that this is eternal life that you know me and the one who sent me. So pretty quickly within the writing of the New Testament, there's an, there's a, a marriage between knowing intimately the Lord Jesus Christ and functioning under grace. You can't do one without the other. Yeah, it's like it's like, uh, you know, an example of a marriage. Why do I why am I faithful to my wife? Because I love her and I know her and I want to do it. I didn't have a, nobody gave me the list on the refrigerator that said today you're going to do this and this and this and this. You just do. So as we grow in the knowledge and intimacy of Christ, then grace begins to be. The teacher and we begin to learn oh this is how it works it's all connected with the person of the glorified Christ and whom I belong to who I am in and he and he's knowable right now and by knowing him I'm motivated by who he is you know in other words he wins over my heart and I don't want to do anything that's not like him yeah which is can be termed ungodliness. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, thanks. Uh, let's look at, at question number seven, where we ask, uh, what is ungodliness, or define ungodliness? That might be helpful to this conversation. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Greek word is... Uh, uh, I, I wrote down the two roots. I actually don't have, I don't know if this is, I think this is a full. Uh, ah, sebo. Mm-hmm. If I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. So when you see a Greek word with the, uh, alpha prefix, uh, that's often a, a negation. So, ah, uh, or would mean, uh, could be translated here without, and sebo is, uh, or could be translated worship, perhaps. Um, it is, uh, it's actually the negation of the word godly later in the verse. So we have, um, live soberly, sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And this is just the reverse. Ah, ah, sebo. Um, so, um, and, uh, and one way it was defined was that it's a, a lack of, um, a lack of reverence for the Lord. 
and who he is. And that's why that word is kind of related to worship um, there. And that's where you get that sort of definition from, um, which is a little bit different perhaps than, than simply what we, we would tend to look at ungodliness and say, well, it's, it's just, you know, immorality or, uh, you know, um, badness. <laughs> um, but the way that I, I, uh, I think this, this might come from Mike's notes. Um, this is, this is basically a uh, human viewpoint. Um, this is denying God and his word. Um, and it's, and it's the opposite of, uh, God consciousness. Um, I, I know, I think listening to Ron Merriman, he'd often talk about human viewpoint, divine viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that was Charlie Clough often used that phraseology, human viewpoint, divine viewpoint. And there's something in that, you know, when we, um, when we fail to see things and look at things the way God sees things, um, we're, we're, uh, we're denying him because he is, he is truth. The way that he sees things is right. And, um, and when we fail to do that, um, we are failing to reverence him or, or respect who he is and his, um, as, as, uh, righteous and true. Um, I, I wrote down a question. Can, can we as believers think and act as if God and his word are in error? And of course we do it all the time, you know, um, daily. There are, there are things, there are areas in which we do not yet, um, think and, and agree with God and what his word says. It could be partly just because we don't understand it yet. Um, you know, but, um, but we, uh, but we, we often, uh, do think contrary to, to God's thoughts. Um, that, does that make some sense? Yeah. Help any other word? Yeah. I would I would refer uh, to Romans chapter one, verse eighteen says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that that verse doesn't say against all sin; it says yeah. ungodliness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, that talks about. You know, man knows better, but he suppresses it. But God's standard is to be like him. Yeah, yeah. It isn't to be a warmed-up Adam who, you know, it's like a forgiven sinner isn't good enough. I've got to be like God. Yeah. And so in order to be like God, the whole idea of identification has to come into play. I'm dead, buried, and resurrected and seated in Christ. I am like him. Yeah. Because of what he did, not because of what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking too, Mike, on that verse that you're talking about. Isn't that, that's all men. All men. That's, that's not like some men are unrighteous or ungodly. That's all men. Yeah. So we have to get out of all men. Yeah. We got to somehow leave that, that band of bad guys called ungodly. Yeah, that's now we're really, really hitting on the the core of it. Um, we I like that, Donna. We somehow have to get 
how do you say it? We have to get out of that all men. Um, <laughs> you know, that's exactly it. We somehow have to get out of that all men because that, that man, and it's Adam, right? Adam's race right. is ungodly. Yeah. Is ungodly. And you know, it started with a denial of God's word. Right. In, in the garden. It all, it all started with that ungodliness of saying, no, Lord, <laughs> I know, I know you said not to eat that, that tree, but I'm going to deny your, your word here. And, uh, and with, uh, really, it really slapped in the Lord's face, you know, um, and that's kind of the un, that's kind of ungodliness. I think that, that Genesis three probably pictures that maybe best, um, what ungodliness looks like. Yeah. It looks pretty innocent, actually, eating an apple, you know, um, or whatever fruit. But uh, but it it was uh, um, it was ungodly at the at the deepest level, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Well, we don't really have time to probably get into what are worldly desires. Um. But uh, I think it is. I think it is really related to that. It's. Uh, um perhaps it's even a, a a almost another way of of understanding or or thinking about ungodliness because the world the wor- and the world system um and the uh the, the 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 desires of the flesh that you know um that we have in this world system are all contrary to to the Lord and his character and contrary to his word. And that's the, um, the, the word there, um, behind, uh, worldly is, is, is the word, uh, cosmos or cosmic cost, uh, as the, and, and it's, it's this, it's a world system that, that's contrary to who God is. And it's what we are, um, totally, uh, um, in, enveloped in and entrenched in, uh, in, in Adam. Um, and all the desires that we have, um, in that, that all men, that all, you know, that Adamic race, um, is, is characterized and, and sort of described or, or within the sphere of the cosmos or the world. And, um, and our worldly desires are all, all, uh, encapsulated there. And, and so, you know, on, on the one hand, um, you know, un, ungodliness is, uh, what our, our, our worldly desires, our worldly desires are ungodly. So it's, it's kind of almost two sides of the same, the same coin, perhaps. Um, but, um, any, any thoughts on that just before we close? And then we'll, we'll pick up that, that question next time, but, um i I think it's a hard thing to to recognize that um how do I say this everything you watch on t v is ungodly everything even the yeah. products, they're ungodly, yeah, so you know we try to make moral judgments about whether people are making good decisions or not the good decisions have nothing to do with it that what it has everything to do with is it godly or not? Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Have you been listening to Miles Stanford lately? Yeah, I have. Then you'll recognize the phrase, a lovely crash. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't know what that is, then I'm just going to leave it at that, and you've got to listen to those recordings and see what he says about a lovely crash. But it's related to worldly desires, so. Yeah. (laughs) If if that really, really, you know, if you just can't listen and it really irritates you that you don't know what I'm talking about, you can just message me later. <laughs> Clear that up. Anyway, but no, you're right. I, I think that's that's right. You know, um, everything, everything that the world, everything that the world promotes and pursues and desires and 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 looks for is is quite contrary. You know, um, to um, to who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Um, because yeah, that Romans one passage really is key there. You know, suppressing, suppressing the truth. Everything that the world chases is designed to suppress who God is and, and what His Word tells us is true. So, you know, through some, you know, sometimes through blatant and, and obvious um, rejections, and sometimes through subtle distortions and twists that just take our eyes off of off of who Jesus Christ is and. And uh, it's very, very easy to be wrapped up in that. So, well, let's close in prayer there. Heavenly Father, we thank you that um, you have uh, extended your grace to us. You didn't leave us abandoned uh, without hope in, uh, in Adam, um, in, our, in our godless and, and un- ungodly state. Lord, we thank you that um, you have uh, loved us and you sent your son. And uh, he not only died for us, but um, but we also have been taken down into death with him and raised to new life so that we are no longer in Adam, but we are found in Christ Jesus, clothed in his perfect righteousness and uh, and able to, with you, uh, deny ungodliness because it's, it's done. It's uh, it's it was laid aside at the cross. And we thank you for that. And we pray that, uh, we would count on, uh, that, that righteous life. Um, not, not as a thing, but, um, as, uh, as it is in Jesus Christ, the, the man, um, the, the God man who, who loved us and gave himself for us. We just thank you for all this in, in Jesus name. Amen.